0: stay at home festival podcast producer trent here this episode is the morning show it's robin Ince and Josie along their guests were david Bedeal, celia jessen who you might also know as joanna neary and music from phil jays cosmic shambles.com slash stay at home is where you can go to drop a tip in the tip jar and patreon.com slash book shambles is where you can go to support us here's today's episode or actually a couple of days ago episode
1: Good, good morning good morning
2: good
0: morning it's What's doing Dave? Josie. i Hello. like when you get musical cool. i like those <laughs> umbrellas of cherbourg moments that we get yeah. every now and again still one of my favorite things ever was uh, by the way welcome to uh, shambles stay at home festival but the that that festival that was done by the same people who did end of the road where uh, you no direction home no Direction Home, Be- beautiful Dirty Three were playing It were m- magnificent. And you ended up doing a kind of just almost solipsistic karaoke for about five hours, didn't you? It was because John Robbins,
1: who is somebody who is much, much better able to handle drink than me, started drinking with me at about midday. And then because it was a new festival, they'd booked comedy till about 2 p.m. Then comedy from about 11 p.m. with just a nine-hour break with all of this functioning equipment. So we were like, we'll put on a disco for everyone. But it just became me, blind drunk, just singing along to an iPod. It was beautiful. It was. It was for me. Some,
0: some of the greatest Wanna dyes covers that I've ever heard. <laughs> put it up with the fact that pink floyd on uh the day of the moon landing just mm, did a jam mm. right they literally they just they did they did a jam that's never been released this kind of blues jam to accompany uh the the, the lunar module landing and there's no proper recording of that and equally i feel much the same about your nine hours of Wanna Dies covers and honestly you know, thank god
1: <laughs> thank god it was pre you know social media thank god <laughs> um I uh, I don't, I don't I haven't yet thought what my um, show and tell okay, item don't, is. Don't worry,
0: I'll do my show and tell, and I'll just t- tell you who's, you coming, who's up. coming up. Uh, we have Phil Jays, who is a, a wonderful singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. If you've uh, been to uh, some of the Christmas shows that we've done over the last kind of 10, 15 years, uh, or quite often, actually, he's been on tour with me as well. Really uh, wonderful uh, singer, uh, very often of doom laden um, songs as well. So that that's, uh, that's a delight. Um, and also, we have um, Celia with us as well some of you will know Celia from last week um my show and tell is uh, it's fun isn't it when it gets to like week four working out what we've got left in the house to still show and tell yes
1: that. I was like <laughs> I don't have this many items Oh, <laughs> I, I, I want to say really early on uh in this that we do have um a tip jar if you do enjoy the shows if you want to go back and watch all the shows that we've done uh there's a way you'll be able to see that you can donate to us um anything helps that we would love that Um, but also what we are planning to do and what we're already doing is we're distributing the money amongst artists that need it and also we are distributing money to venues that were already kind of struggling for funding and already uh, kind of clinging on uh, to help their communities and which will really be struggling even more because of um, the fact that they can't operate. Also I heard such a scary thing today on the radio where the streets, Mike Skinner was like America's saying that the next time People can go to concerts, it's autumn 2021. I was like. <laughs>
0: We might be all right. Do you know what? This might be the time where those of us with a niche market can shine. <laughs> well, they say the, the, I'm afraid we can't have any more, any more than 173. Uh, and only, go to only 17 in Lincoln. Lincoln has different rules. Brilliant. That's as many as I sell in Lincoln. I'm off on tour. Yes, um, so I'm just gonna go to lots of places
1: where my politics is deeply unpopular, everywhere, and <laughs> then I can go and then I can do a big tour
0: um my, my my no don't be sorry my, my show and tells i'm backstage quite often doing gigs is someone just goes someone left this for you and, and very often there's kind of you know various arcane books and other things like that and this i like this was when i was touring with brian cox last year uh and uh someone left this for me i, th- I can't remember which which city it was in but they'd made troding a strawberry <laughs> now um for those of you who don't know it's an odd thing the show that i do the infinite monkey cage with brian cox about series seven there was a moment where someone was explaining an experiment and they said so basically what you needed to do was you would get a you know a dead strawberry and brian then suddenly looked all kind of ethereal he went when is a strawberry dead yes. and this then became for some reason even though actually you, you can very quickly find out what is officially diagnosed as a de- but it didn't matter somehow it's still dragged out for about 10 years it's the poetry of it well, it was. It was an interesting, but you know, the whole different idea about you know is jam in itself some kind of Schrodinger's you know presentation of strawberries, and uh, and so someone had just made a Schrodinger strawberry, and there it is in the box. Uh, at that point, the strawberry is both dead and alive, and uh, now there we are there is the strawberry and there's oh, I wow. the alive i think i think i've i've uh, got it in a, in a i've revealed now in uh, the superposition has collapsed and now it's a live strawberry so that was just <laughs> a lovely i like it yeah that kind of make and do thing so a
1: superposition that
0: was lovely I've yeah brian
1: Preston,
0: so much fun um
1: i the, can show you this this is a foam roller that i have because of starting to jog again my daughter has treats it like it's a beloved soft toy and carries it around and calls it Roly and gives it cuddles and kisses.
0: Roly. That's cuz you you said you didn't want to buy any um toys, did she you? Has no toys. Yeah. To- toys are a symbol of the patriarchy. You can have my Roly. That's about it. <laughs> the um, the, the, the we joined we're- today by uh well um, I think I don't think he had finished his tour trolls um uh, a man I've, I've just introduced David how are you, David? David how are you uh, I'm
3: alright Robbie. I've got hay fever which sounds like a terribly stupid rubbish thing to complain about at a time of national pandemic uh, but it actually is a real pain in the ass uh, not least because it's one of the things you get people probably got quite a lot of them where you think like oh no is this it have I got covid-19 no I'm just fucking sneezing like I always do at this time of year Uh, But apart from that, I'm well. I didn't finish my tour. No, I had to stop my tour. Slap bang in the middle of it, actually. Cheltenham was my last date. It was quite emotional, actually. I wonder if that was the same for other comedians, Mm. knowing that they were having to stop the tour and not knowing when they might restart. I just heard Josie say the words autumn 2021, uh, which is interesting because all of my dates have been rescheduled for exactly a year before that. All my dates have been rescheduled for... October and November but I have to say I always get the line from uh, you'll never walk alone which is with hope in our hearts is what I always think because I'm not at all sure that anyone's going to be going to gigs in uh, or in the autumn but yeah uh, I had quite an emotional gig on a Sunday night sometime in March in Cheltenham. I came on and I said it's great I mean even then I said it's great to see that you're prepared to congregate in such large numbers at this stage of the apocalypse. And I got quite a big laugh, but not as big a laugh as a man in the audience who coughed
0: deliberately.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So things were going, you know, we're going that way at that
0: point. I was lucky because I think that the last I think that the last live event I did, uh, I I did a show with uh, Jeff Lloyd and Ed Miliband. Uh, They do a podcast called Reasons to be Cheerful. That's very new. Yeah, and it was, and what was delightful was Ed Milliband asked me to explain black holes, so I started to explain them to him, and it just it had you know that moment where someone's mind gets properly blown, and Mm. they just and obviously I I you know explained it in a reasonably cack handed fashion. I'm not a scientist, but nevertheless the idea of density and gravity and the inability of light to escape and all that, and I'm running through this different idea of neutron stars and all that kind of, and then he just he just looked, he couldn't get rid of this, and he went, I just didn't, I know, and I didn't, and and. And so the nice thing is my final gig, I left someone feeling utterly lost in the cosmos. And I thought <laughs> it was kind of,
3: but it was, it was. I saw Ed Miliband the other day, actually, I've got Ed Miliband, which is I was walking on Hampstead Heath in my, in our regular family, feels like a prison routine, kind of hourly exercise. We get an hour or whatever it is of exercise. And I saw Ed Miliband coming towards me and I, I don't really know him very well. He's not a close friend, but I do know him. And I waved to him. Thing is, I had a mask on. Right. And and he looked at me like, oh, that's just a bloke waving at me because I'm Ed Miliband. And then I was in a quandary because I thought, do I pull the mask down to say, no, no, it's me, David Baddiel. But is that a health risk? And so I just walked past and he looked confused. But maybe he was still thinking about black holes.
0: That we were talking about these quandaries i don't know if you've had this i don't know if you've had this quandary i don't know if you've had if you've heard it Jason. Men- i was mentioning the other day when i was doing the slapstick festival uh, a waiter came up to me as i was leaving and said i'm an enormous fan of yours can i get a photo and i was like well, this is you know every now and again in very niche festivals that might happen you know i'm not i'm not saying i have some level of celebrity and a bit niche festivals that might happen i said oh yeah sure that's fine and they said Kevin and Perry really got me through my teenage years. So he presumed that I was Harry Enfield. Yeah. Now, so, so that then became a <laughs> He's quandary. Ten but... years older than you. I know, I know, but I've not looked after myself. We know that. You exercise every day. That those quandaries of mistaken identity, or do I should I continue to explain who I am? Josie, you've what? had. One. Oh, I
1: get people telling me I've been on shows I've not been on. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't me. And they're like, yes, it was. And then I feel like, yeah, do I go along with it? Like Sometimes I'll be like, oh, yes, yes, when yeah. I was on Mock the
3: Week, yes. Uh, like, I, I don't thousand, know who they think I am. a thousand of very specific, of specific people that I look like. I have talked about this many times before, but... A, f- a few favourites. My Ronan Keating of Boys and came up to me at the com- not. Uh, no, I thought I looked like him. Uh, Ronan <laughs> <laughs> <Keating> That's <laughs> what I, came up I was like, to wow. me At the Comedy Awards once, and honestly, praised me maybe for ten minutes. Just a wild litany of praise, and at the end of it, he said, "The thing I really loved was Blackadder." And I said, "Yeah, I'm not Ben Elton." And he just looked really pissed off, like I was <laughs> deliberately trying to trick him with my face. <laughs> And honestly, I mean, just constantly, it's constantly Ben Elton. So I, I, I'm not going to do it now, but I used to do 10 minutes for Android Lloyd Webber thinking I was Ben Elton. Uh, the genuine showbiz belief that he wrote The Beautiful Game, his musical about football, because someone said to him, oh, look, you should get that Jewish bloke off the telly with glasses and a beard who knows about football. And they mistakenly got Ben Elton, who, by the way, knows nothing about football. Uh, so it is a strange thing. Uh, but I've honestly been convinced that he still is not entirely sure whether I'm not Ben Elton. I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but I did meet him at a showbiz event and said to him, you know, I'm not Ben Elton. And he just looked really, really worried, like, oh my God, what's wrong with Ben? He's having a breakdown. So yeah, it's Ben Elton, it's Ian Brody. Uh, The Times once printed a whole article about how I'd created a fracas at a, a Peter Gabriel concert. Uh, and was drunk and had to be removed. And what was really weird about it was I had been at that Peter Gabriel concert, but none of that had happened unless I'd been totally madly drunk, which I hadn't been. And I phoned up the bloke I was with and said, was this me? They said no. And then eventually, and I'm sorry for the name drop, I contacted Peter Gabriel because I do sort of know him. I said, do you know anything about this? And he investigated it. And it was Ian Brody. who was at the same gig and had got drunk and disorderly and who the Times had just got mixed up with.
1: He's doing all that so you all don't have so you don't to. have to, and you yeah, can exactly. get the bad boy rep. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
0: but that does sting, doesn't it? As well, there's a strange, strange thing. thing of someone being effusive. So you then have that dopamine mm-hmm. hit of mm-hmm. isn't it lovely to be loved by this person? And then it's been revealed that they don't even know who you are, <laughs> yes. and that that part, <laughs> at that
3: point, and the yes. extension of it, like how far? Like, like Harry and just about see with you. I once got given a free meal in Swansea. From someone who thought I was the DJ Steve Wright. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, I get. He wears the
1: glasses. He wears glasses.
3: He does wear glasses, and he has got something of a beard, I believe. I still ate the free meal. Do you think
0: if you <laughs> yeah. got, if I got a pair of glasses, I could glasses. just pretend,
1: could pretend to just be, <laughs> pretend to be any
0: glasses wearer? Yeah. <laughs> we we, we <laughs> can't do guys. that, Josie. Every time we're working together, no one will be. Able- tell the difference, so it would be utterly, utterly We'd have impossible. to always
1: stand on one side, like I Ant mean, and
3: death. I, I do have someone here who looks like me that I'm going to use for my show, who sort of looks like me. Uh, there, there he is.
0: Oh That's my, my goodness.
3: spitting image puppet, which uh, I, I discovered that he, well, he's got an Avalon thing on, i better remove that, because I think they don't actually have representation of him. And uh, <laughs> What do you think of him? I've always, I, I only got him because someone else bought him, right? In the big sell-off and then he didn't want him anymore <laughs> and said do you want him so I, uh, I basically donated a thousand quid to a food bank and that for that he gave me this and I've always been a bit uncertain about it because not because I'm very happy to be on a spitting image but to me this looks like me if I was drawn by someone who worked for Der Sturmer the Nazi <laughs> magazine
1: I so okay. I have lots of questions about this. About okay, this. Okay. I, I have memories of Spitting image, but it is mainly sort of the political, you know, like the guy who was the slug and the guy who only at peas. Kenneth Baker. Yeah, this and, yeah, and I had no idea. So they also did was there one, was this of the Mary Whitehouse experience? Yeah, about that.
3: yeah, they did, they did TV. as well as politicians. And I was quite a late addition, I think. And all he did basically was say everything was crap. That's oh. what he did. He used to come on, well, I think it was preying on my early work, which was perhaps a bit negative, and he used to just come on stage and say, yeah, shoes, aren't they crap, and get sort of very small rounds of applause, and then walk off again. It allowed me to say, at Wembley Arena, the gig that we did at Wembley Arena, me and Rob Newman, has anyone seen Spitting Image recently, isn't it crap? Mm-hmm. And that got a round of applause, at least, so I got a gag out of it.
0: Yeah, because oh. I remember there was a John Sessions that got eaten by <laughs> got eaten by his own um, anus. Uh, that, that, that one uh, the... But that, do you know what? That one does... I'll tell you why I think it does look like the person you were is it reminds me of the first time I ever saw you on television. I think it was Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, would it oh, have been? God. Yeah. Yeah. So Who else was we, in we, that? Well, that, that was, was Rick Mail, a, a. Demerson and Nigel It follow-up
3: You're probably too young, aren't you, Joe? So the young ones... Uh, which didn't do so well and wasn't as good, but it was, still had amazing stuff in it. Actually,
1: yeah, I have seen. No, I've seen bits of it uh, here and there, definitely.
0: Because that was you and your former. That dub- was you and your former double act partner, Black of a Deal, was it? The, the, no, no, it was just me in it. T- I've got a story about that. How long? How long have we got? Oh, fine. We'll cool. have one of your stories. We'd love to have one of your stories.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, this was a terrible introduction. So uh, I, I had been doing a show in Edinburgh, and they'd seen me there. Uh, and they asked me, the, I think it was Ed By, who was the producer of that show, to uh, be in. Actually, they asked me to audition for Red Dwarf, which was huh. just starting then.
1: Who were they asking you to audition for?
3: Uh, <laughs> because I don't know. It's a good you question. Don't know
1: which part? Oh,
3: oh, which part? Uh, I yeah. think for the part that Craig Child, I don't really watch Red Dwarf. Yeah. Uh, I it's
1: a fantastic show.
3: I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Uh, What part is Craig? Is he he the guy who says Smeg, Craig Charles?
1: That's the main part.
3: Yeah, that part. Okay, sorry,
1: sorry. sorry.
3: It got down to me and Craig Charles, and Craig Charles got the part. Uh, And anyway, so that was that, and I've been very excited, but I didn't think it. I just went back to doing stand-up, and then they contacted me again and said, we want you to be in this show, Filthy Rich and Cat Flat." but we just want you to do one show. But it still sounded great because I was going to be a pavement artist who had a big fight with Rick Mail in the show they did. The second show was about Rick becoming an artist, right? So I thought, brilliant, right? Then they sent me a script saying, we've cut that, we've cut that. Right? Remember, this is me when I'm like 20 and I'm just so excited and my excitement is continually being cut down. Now what you are is someone who, it's a satire about art. Do you remember this uh, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The satire about art, it ends with Eddie, who was Adrian Emerson farting, Stephen Fry tries to sell his fart to some art people and you're bidding for it. So, okay, it's like not as exciting as it was, but all oh, right. So we're supposed to go and film it in Manchester. I'm still living with my mum and dad, right? So we're supposed to film it in Manchester and there's no internet or anything like that. And they just say, a taxi will appear with your plane tickets to Manchester. Get on a plane to Manchester and then you'll film it. still excited because it's Rick Mayle, it's Ben Elton, it's David Emerson, it's Fry and Laurie. It's so fantastic. I get up at seven o'clock in the morning, I haven't slept at all car doesn't turn up, taxi just doesn't turn up, right? You can't find out where they are or whatever. So eventually I somehow found out where they were filming. It was a museum in Manchester. I called, I speak to the janitor. The janitor says, just go to Heathrow, get on a plane and come. So I do with just the, all of, I basically get an overdraft. I write a cheque that for money I don't have, 200 quid, to get to Manchester. I'm three hours late for filming. They put me in a room with Rick and Ben and they fucking hate me. You can tell they're thinking, we've held up filming of our show for three hours for some twat who's late. And I can't. I try and explain, but they're not interested. I do the filming, and then the last thing I remember is going up to Paul Jackson, who was the producer and director of The Young Ones and of that, and trying to say to him, it, it cost me 200 quid to get here. Is there any chance I can have that money back? And him just ignoring me. And what I will say is he came up to me about three months ago, Just before the pandemic started, and said, "I owe you two hundred quid." So that it's incredible that I kept going in showbiz after that. It was a terrible experience.
0: It's a wonderful. It's a wonderful performance. I really did believe in the. the, uh, I I thought that is a man who really would buy a fart at Sotheby's. It was. It was tremendously authentic.
1: I I want to seek it out. I bet it's on it's on YouTube.
0: Yeah, on, I've, I've, it, I've got it. I've got it on DVD because I'm very old-fashioned like that. Don't worry. Um, yeah. The it's, it's, it's series has got the Nolans in uh, in a blankety uh, blank parody. It's got uh, it, you're right. It has moments in it, and of course, because it's it's Rick Mail basically. He's someone Richie Rich who did links for I think was it TVS. Basically, he briefly was the person who went and now coming up on TVS, and yeah. he, that's the only job he's ever had. But he's obsessed with showbiz and thinks he's one of the biggest I mean, names it's a in sort it.
3: Sort of it's early well. version of Alan Par actually because he's a not very successful TV star but with a very very big ego I mean obviously it's got that gigantic broad performance thing that Rick had uh to it talking of which by the way I tweeted yesterday and I think it is correct that I don't know if you there's a hilarious moment in the young ones when Neil they're on a, pl- a train and Neil finds a book uh, that used to be Rick's school book and someone's written it, like, Rick is a prick and Rick says, No, actually I was incredibly popular and everyone thought I was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I tweeted
3: yesterday that was basically President Trump's approach in his press conference yesterday.
1: I'm stunned by I, I've only heard snippets on the news, but I'm news. just but I'm just stunned that somebody took him to task and he went, Well, this is just not true and, and, and that he's able to do that. Like, no, it's, it's he like did, he put together he's he got the
3: wilds, together a short film of people saying he's great, he's doing oh. really well. As if that was an argument.
1: How am I not aware of this yet? Oh, this you've
3: got to see it. The wild. film is, is amazing. He just says, OK, I think before we start, let's get the lights down and I think you should all watch this. And it is literally that. It's Rick in The Young One saying, I am incredibly popular and everyone thinks I'm great. <laughs> and then he thinks, it's as if he thinks that'll convince them.
0: But the trouble is, the trouble there is... Are- there are a percentage of, as we've seen, certain extremely inept governments have actually been, got, the, the, the the public have gone, oh, no, 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 they're doing a really good job. Because if you just tell people how you've done a you're really pretending good job...
1: That you're not referring to our government. Well, no, it's so not just government. this
0: government. It's, it's this government. It's going on in Australia. It's going on It's going on in a lot of the different places where also there seems to be a Murdoch press. But I'm not connecting the two. Yes, that would be absolutely. conspiracy theory. Uh, I'm no Eamon Holmes. Could
1: um, I see how... Um, Eamon, uh,
0: home, Eamon, Eamon Holmes, is-
1: Eamon yeah, Holmes. Is- <laughs> so can someone get me up to speed properly um,
0: with what happened?
1: Eamon here?
3: Holmes said, uh, suddenly... Uh, I don't exactly know what they were talking about, but they, they had someone on was being perfectly sensible and saying that the 5G conspiracy which you may know about which is that some people think that the introduction of 5G is what caused coronavirus and this is a really stupid conspiracy theory that has led to 5G masks being burnt and all sorts of things someone was on saying well obviously it's rubbish and blah 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 and Eamon Holmes interrupted her and said, well, actually, you know, the mainstream media, anybody who says mainstream media, by the way, instantly dismiss everything they've ever said. But anyway, Eamon said, the mainstream media wants us to believe that. I don't know what's right or not, but I think you should keep an open mind and not follow the state narrative. And I thought, Eamon Holmes, what's going on? Talk about brownies. Talk about
1: what the fuck? also, like, he could challenge the state narrative that... Boris, you know, has done yes. this glorious, yes. glorious thing as opposed to being completely irresponsible. But instead,
3: yes, I'm not denying that there is a state narrative. No, no, it's no I know.
1: I, no, I really know you're not. But it's just so funny that that's what he's choosing to do. Know.
0: You know,
3: I know, but that is conspiracy theory. Looks for the the wrong narratives in the wrong places.
0: Mm. And you do with anything. I know you become a lot more interested again in science and lot but there is that point where you go, now this we really need to look at now. We, we need to work at that. We need to really... That's a lot of evidence-based material. Here. Now this... This is so far, you know, the, the far outness and very often science will never get to the far because it's yeah. so far out already. It does not require analysis. And it's in the same way when when I sometimes see people say, you know, it, with David Ike, though we've got to think about his free speech. Free speech does not mean that you have to provide a platform for the speech, which is why both Josie and I are very rarely on television. <laughs> um, the, uh, i will, I'll tell you what, we're going to have a quick break and then I would like to come back and talk a little bit about um, science, uh, if that's OK. Yes. Uh, you don't. But um. Those of you watching last week will have known that we have uh, a a wonderful guest who uh, kind of flits between the 1940s and 2020 in Eastbourne. And uh, she's returned with us for today. So uh, please welcome with her show and tell and also her stories.
2: Hello and welcome to my uh, show and tell. I'm Celia. Now this is um, A Life in an English Village by Noel Carrington and it has lithographs inside it by Edward Borden. I love Edward Borden terribly. My friend, a very good friend of mine, her mother was taught by Edward Borden at the Royal College of Art a long time ago. So you can see that beautiful illustration. I bought it for the illustrations. But I must say, the actual book itself is brilliant. It's very, very interesting about the history of villages and I can say with authority after reading the first four pages that all of our problems today stem from the Enclosure Act. Now, reading about an English village reminded me of my own life and so I thought I'd tell you all about it by reading to you very quickly from my dad. Wednesday. Did a recce of the pantry and was shocked to see that we are low on everything apart from that plum jam that Fred's aunt made and was a bit too tart. Thank heavens there's plenty of celery in the garden. Scurried off down to Best Buy with a tea towel tied around my face, but it was slim pickings. There was a sign saying thank you for panic buying from us. Oh, Saw Irene Clack approaching with her shopping trolley, so I quickly bought two tins of pork luncheon meat, a packet of boat laces, some glacier cherries and a copy of... The Modern Angler magazine. Celery and tinned pork omelette for tea. Thursday. Went for a romantic and relaxing walk with my husband Fred up by the skateboard park. Saw Mrs Coyle and Mrs Clack meet at the youth hostel car park. They got out of their cars and set off for a walk together. They were not two metres apart. Later, Fred informed the, on them to the local police hotline using a funny voice. He said it was Welsh, but it sounded more Cumbrian to me. Celery soup for tea. Friday. Decided not to go outside today. It's not relaxing. Fred has attached a gardening glove to the end of a two metre long pole and is using it to wave at neighbours to make sure that they're keeping their two metre distance. He looks like an institutionalised lion tamer son's lion suddenly remembered it was Good Friday and thought of popping down to St Barnabas's, but of course it's closed, and the vicar's locked himself in the rectory with all the Harvest Festival tins and that ceremonial spear from his missionary days. Fred made three Good Friday jokes. Celery Salad for Tea, Saturday. Fred has decided to carry on learning the ukulele. He's working on a riff by a band called Guns N' Roses, It consists of four notes and requires copious continual practice, apparently. Braised celery obliterated with jerky-jerk chicken sauce for tea. Sunday. Easter today. Made some eggs out of gelatine, celery and the glacier cherries. I'm not a big fan of Easter anyway. It always catches me unawares. I don't know about you I keep missing the moment when the second moon comes up after the spring equinox, after breaching the gap between Pluto and Venus rising, or whenever it is. Monday. Bank holiday Monday, though I suppose every day is bank holiday Monday these days, except with no one driving up to the coast and sitting in their cars eating boiled eggs. I wish we had some eggs. Fred reveled, rebelled rather at being given celery bourguignon for dinner. Now I'm going to end this little broadcast of mine with a light-hearted section. It's a preview from our Wife on Earth uh, podcast series, two that's going to be coming out soon with Cosmic Shambles Network. We're very proud about that. <clears throat> One thing that happens when you spend a good deal of time together in close proximity is that your partner's little idiosyncrasies, those quirks which at first seem so charming, so sweet, so adorable, like putting the DVDs back in the boxes upside down or drawing a Mexican in a boat when viewed from above on the scullery window every time the central heating's on, begins to grate a little. So after extensive research, i.e. asking the ladies of the WI WhatsApp group what they thought, I can now reveal the top three annoying habits which you once found endearing. And number three, a non-mover with washing up everything except the cutlery. Why does he do it, ladies and gentlemen? Does he think that the knives and forks need washing? Or does he think they'll magically clean themselves? I suppose we'll never know. This week's newest high entry at number two is losing the TV remote and then saying, we need a remote to find the remote. Ha ha. Straighten at number one is putting his socks on before his pants. No one wants to see that, ladies and gentlemen, not even scientists. Thank you. right, I'd better go now. Uh, Fred has uh, been put in a bad mood by knowing that I'm doing this here in this room and he wants to come back in and start up on Duns and Roses again. So I better go now. Best wishes to you all. Thank you for listening to my little broadcast. Goodbye.
0: hello welcome back to uh <laughs> the uh, uh shambles Stay at home festival that was celia who of course uh is also joanna neary i mean she's mainly joanna neary Celia's just a a, a wonderful uh part that she plays and uh joanna's got a, a second series of wife on earth which is up on cosmic shambles.com coming up very very soon you can listen to the old one and also all of our book shambles and loads of interviews with scientists and lots of other things i will briefly mention uh oh yeah josie
1: Jean burnett's got a really great blog
0: Oh yeah, Dean, but Dean Burnett did a really. We were talking about the 5G thing. Did a very good uh, piece all about the the whole kind of 5G. Uh, and and what's lovely, of course, is all the reactions he got from people, which are the normal kind of when conspiracy theory. theory. <laughs> do, do the maths. Don't you understand how oxygen we are? All of these kind of. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's not not really worth dealing anyway. Um And also, just remind you, we have a tip jar at the bottom of this. Uh, we're collecting money for some of the uh, performers, singers, all, all manner of people who uh, have basically had all their uh, work cancelled and also for some of the venues some of the smaller art centers places like the rondo and stuff like that uh trying to get a fund for them because of course a lot of them are struggling and some of them will like the Bromsgrove uh, art tricks uh possibly have to um close down we want to keep them going for when this is all over and done with you can also subscribe to our youtube channel and you can also support the other stuff that josie and me do and lots of other friends of ours uh, dean burnett and lucy green uh with our patreon as well and that is all of that done which is well, much quicker than so many podcasts i'd listen to i did this when i was on i was with um laura uh who used <laughs> to be she makes war but now is um and, and we were, we were on, on tour and we went let's listen to this podcast 15 minutes of someone going and if you can t- also my book is out very soon Ooh. i need you to get and, and so mark many, marins about. No, mark, mark Maron's one which you know i i, I love listening to some of his stuff but the 15 minutes of him going and i can't believe it david letterman is you know he's here you know david letterman is no no it's fine we believe it you're see seen the listing he's gonna be here oh is this a pretend one is it is it cause it's not really david letterman and you just do all the voices
1: i'm listening to a very hammy true crime uh, podcast at the moment because every other day i do a walk not a run and i listen to a podcast and um they they're sponsored by a phone game called best fiends and the woman who has to do the adverts is obviously quite a serious radio journalist and every single episode she has to go when i'm playing best fiends it's the most wonderful break for my brain and i'm like i know
3: you don't mean this journalist. That's really, but that's the thing about podcasts which i do uh called stalking time for the moon boys with a mate of mine which is about david bowie it's very niche uh, and as a result of being very niche it doesn't We've never been sponsored properly. So with a not with a not very successful podcast, they just interrupt the podcast with adverts, right? But with a more successful one, like the one you're talking about, the host has, has to do to what depend. they call in podcast advertising. Which means, in the middle of a true crime thing about murder or whatever, yeah. they have to say, anyway. Have you ever thought about what kind of mattress you really want, yeah. <laughs> but,
0: or <laughs> any any of those energy or, or building or, up, or building up things? Going this delicious mix of crushed sheep bone and cocoa powder that <laughs> makes me just because you mix this, I suddenly realized it was down here. You might like the I know you probably got this book, this David Bowie book, um, but I've got I bought loads this... of them. But this, I've this, got that one. Moon Age Daydream by Dave Thompson, who's written lots of But this is one of those ones that I bought in a second-hand shop because, amongst other things, it has a letter from Dave Thompson, and it's to Lawrence, I don't know who, enclosed as promised, a copy of my David Bowie book. Thank you for your help during my research, but apologies in advance, the state of the finished thing. The publishers and I did not see eye to eye over the relevance of much of what I wrote, so they chopped it all out at the last minute and replaced it with stories lifted by the editor from Peter Gilmore's book, etc. So <laughs> I can only say I hope you enjoy it more than I did. And I just love the fact that the author's fury is, is inside that book as well. That wouldn't be strange. Dave Thompson, who was also Igor Thompson. No, it's not. It's not uh, Dave Thompson who uh, and and who was uh, in the Wim- Cubbies. Wim- yeah. yeah. Um, now, I wanted to ask you this about um, when I uh, years and years ago, I, I did an interview with you and I came around to your house and I looked at the bookshelves. So I always do one of those people. And I said to you, I said, David, it's really weird. I said, you don't seem to have any. A lot of history books said you have no science. I was quite surprised. And you said oh I, th- I find science a bit boring mm-hmm. now since then that yeah. has changed enormously I mean you did the play God's Dice which is yeah. kind of about physics and also yeah. the idea of, of God Wh- where was this this change because you've, you've hugely changed on, on, on that uh, yeah, I think
3: it's to do with my dad uh my dad was a scientist uh he's still with us my father uh, some people who follow my career might know that my dad has uh, quite advanced dementia he has a type of dementia called Pick's disease which uh it certainly not so much now but certainly the start involved in swearing and shouting an awful lot which made it quite difficult to know whether or not he had a disease because my dad always used to shout and swear an awful lot uh but that aside he was during his early part of his career he's actually made redundant when he was 42 and then had uh, just uh, sold dinky toys for the rest of his life but before that he was a chemist not a pharmacist but uh, he worked for unilever and he had done biochemistry done a phd in biochemistry and science was everything in our house we he used to do this thing with me and my brothers i've got two brothers uh of uh, we had flash cards from the periodic table so every element would be on each card And it would have, like, the atom with the electrons and the symbol and various types of radioactivity or whatever. And we had to remember them. And he would (laughs) hold up and he would say, boron or whatever, tell us about it. And uh, it was, like, quite grim in some ways. And then when I decided, when I was 16, I wasn't going to do science. I was going to do art subjects and I was going to, for my A-levels, English history, and I think I did economics as a kind of sop to the science part of him, I went and told my dad this, and I was really quite frightened of doing it. He was quite a frightening man, my dad. And he said, it's a waste of a brain, which is not good parenting. Let's be honest, it's not good parenting. And in some ways, ironic that he's the one now with dementia, I've always thought. But nonetheless, I think that there's been a return of the repressed, as it were, that as I got older, the part of him that was implanted in me that says science is incredibly important, science is the truth, has stuck with me. And I don't know if you think this or you think this, Josie, but there's always a part of me, I think even when I decided to do that, and even throughout my life that I've written books and done comedy and all the rest of it, a tiny part of me has always thought, well, real cerebral work, real mm. cleverness, obviously resides in the sciences. you see.
1: My I, was, my, I was very much brought up with my mum telling me that I had to be as useless to society as possible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, there was absolutely no scientists in my family, so I, it wasn't the same. But th- that is very interesting, the idea of, like, what, because of what your parents have been like, on a deep-rooted level, yeah. you consider to be legitimately intellectual. Yeah. And also the fact that everyone's going to have a different conception of that, that even they're not fully examining they're just kind of like taking that as red and then barreling on with their lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I find it the, the problem I've, I've found since I kind of, you know, on, on the outskirts of that world making a lot of shows you know with scientists and stuff is that i find that the uh it's a bit like you know when people in australia talk about the fact that oh melbourne and sydney hate each other melbourne and sydney hate each other and then people in sydney say we're we're fine with it it's just melbourne seem to have a little bit of an you know you know that bit where and i find that sometimes when i first went into that world with, with the arts scientists love to go to concerts and all that whereas the arts i think because we go i don't know this and you're not allowed just to form an opinion on quantum electrodynamics and say well my opinions is good there's a real there certainly has been a lot of antagonism toward and it, and it goes throughout history you know london was the place of art manchester was the place of grubby technology and and, and science and it's it's interesting now because i think it is beginning to come together and that kind of aggression towards having to accept that someone if you are you know any of us might go well i feel that my opinion on wits and weddings is as good as yeah. Josie long's own. but we can't say that when we're talking about yeah, you know cosmology
3: yeah um, there's no problem I mean, having gone to university and done english but at the end of the day it doesn't make any difference if i happen to think that i know what the wits of weddings means it doesn't that's not true whereas brian cox is correct in thinking that he knows about black holes or whatever but there is i think another reason which is to do with mortality i think which as you know about me uh, i am a fundamentalist atheist um, even though I, I'm very Jewish, uh, that is all ethnicity, ethnicity and culture or whatever. And I, I think of myself as um, a more extreme atheist. I'll, I'll do an arm wrestle with anyone who says they are more atheist than me. Uh, but And I think as you grow older, you kind of think, oh, fuck, I'm going to die soon. I'd quite like to know what it's all about. And you can't find out what it's all about, really from, obviously, from religion, if you're an atheist, or indeed really entirely, I think, from arts. And then what you think is physics, I think. Because physics particularly, and this is what God's Dice was some set about, because of its microscopic sense of reality, that underneath everything, this is how things are, that feels like there must be the truth. Unfortunately, what you then discover when you do read about it is that that truth is incredibly uncertain Mm. and unknowable. And that's that's I found that fascinating when that became clear to me that all this time I've been thinking science is the way forward to the truth and then the truth is hazy and ambiguous in science I thought that was incredibly interesting
0: I think that's it's interesting um, your uh, um, friend and and kind of former uh, say double actor yeah, but but Frank right. but but Frank Skinner I remember bumping into Frank a few years ago in in Hay at the festival Frank and hates he was. Science. Yeah, but he was going to see uh, Martin Rees, you know, the the uh, soldier role. He was going to see all, and he t- he got a real fascination with it. But then, as far as I could see, the next time I saw him, he'd just gone. Oh no, now I'm just doing science fiction. I've gone back to reading science fiction. Oh, he loves science because, fiction yeah. because it didn't offer. I think during that week or however long he was in Hay and and however long he spent with it, you're right. It doesn't give you an an answer, but it gives you, I think, a far more interesting sense of what is going on, which I find quite... I've been interviewing a lot of scientists about this in the last couple of weeks, actually. And that bit of once you start thinking about the cosmic microwave background radiation and you think about all those tiny fluctuations end up becoming whole galaxies and they become you and they become me and they become the rings of Saturn, they become Jupiter and black holes and supernova, I actually find that strangely satisfying, even that it doesn't give me an afterlife, it doesn't give me anything, but to be part of a narrative which starts off in such a strange... And and you know, in some ways, you could say, uncanny way, there was nothing, but nothing with a lot of potential. And then you read Stephen Hawking, and all of those years of philosophers going, "Why is there something rather than nothing?" And Stephen Hawking goes, "Oh, it doesn't refute the laws of physics. That's why." Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> that's that done then. Let's move on. It's been done. And I, and I I can find that fulfilling. But I think one of the things that's sorry to bang on about this, but this is is I think a lot of people you you glance past science, and if you just hear the bit, "We're in a humdrum galaxy and a humdrum planet," or blah blah blah, then you just go, "Oh." oh, man, that's really not the wind out of my sails. That's The existential anxiety is peaking again now. But if you keep, you have to keep reading it. Do you know what I mean? You, you have to have more than a passing relationship with it for in any way to stop from well, a fulfilling narrative. I,
3: I did actually really want you to come. I, I know you couldn't make it because you were touring, but I really wanted you to come and see my play because really it's about, about the intersection of the miraculous between science and religion. So it begins with Alan Davis played the main part of the physicist Uh, uh, He's approached by a woman, uh, a first year student, who declares that she's a Christian and he doesn't really take her seriously. And then she describes quantum entanglement, which for any, well, it's gonna take too long to explain, but she describes quantum entanglement, which is the most extraordinary thing about how particles seem to be able to transmit information across 200 light years instantaneously. And it just seems impossible. And anyway, she talks about it for a bit and he talks about it for a bit. And then he says, is that your question? And she says, no, my question is, if I am to believe that, I may as well believe in God, mightn't I? And it goes on from there to be about how she thinks there's a way of using physics to prove the existence of the miraculous. But that's partly because the miraculous is there in physics in this really weird way.
1: I this is I mean this is definitely, definitely lowering the tone but I shared a dressing room with I was in the venue with your play I was after your play when I was doing right. my show so I shared a dressing room with all the actors and heard the play about 10 times it was great and the actors I loved the actors so much they were such lovely people I was um yeah so I feel really connected to the play uh, cool. in an odd way just from having sort of I mean, they were, they were with the actors every day
3: brilliant Jason. they were a fabulous cast said i'm going to lower the tone i thought you were going to tell a knob gag <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: no but i just it's not very intellectual to be like and let me tell you they were <laughs> <No>. lovely <laughs> they
3: were really they were a fabulous cast brilliant cast and uh yeah a, a, a woman called leela Mima, a brilliant young actress played that part and she was so fantastic but everyone everyone was really we were really lucky to get a cast yeah anyway yeah, that was it that was probably, uh, that, to answer the question about two hours ago, uh, I think it's just like I became fascinated by science in a way that involves not really understanding it, of course, because one of the things about tro- properly understanding this shit is you have to be good at maths, and I'm just yeah. terrible at maths, so I'm- what you have to do is read these books that sort of say, well, don't really look at the equations, here's an analogy involving clocks or ripples or ponds, and you understand them, but you will never really understand it without the maths.
1: The thing with maths is I did you an A-level a, a level as a hobby in maths as an adult. Okay. I, I didn't do wonderfully well because I could, could not put the hours in. Okay. I'm also, I'm too slow in exams. But it's one of those things similarly to what you were saying, which is you read, you know, to a certain extent, and then just it starts getting interesting once at the point that most people go, Oh, I can't be dealing with this, or yeah. Oh, this is too much. Oh. And if you just push that tiny bit more, suddenly, like I remember realizing uh, uh, Pythagoras' theorem with like, uh, and then suddenly them going, Pythagoras' theorem works with extra dimensions. So it's not just like X, Y, and Z, it's like X, Y, Z, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And it was suddenly like, wow these things are taking flight and flying off now and like so i think that like actually i'm a big believer that maths is a language to learn and it's a thing that anyone can do and that anyone can do to higher levels than most people get to Uh, because i think if i can do it i was never really mathematically minded at all i was only ever into
3: like when did you do the a level as a hobby when did you do
1: that i did it about five years ago maybe a bit oh. less um I went to Hackney Community College it was brilliant I got to hang out with loads of like fun teenagers and yeah uh, uh, get I to, got to go to college sort of twice but a week you passed
3: really... so you, you passed you got the qualification
1: yeah I passed by the same yeah way. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean I, I went to grammar school and I did not pass by grammar school standards but I did pass yeah right. and I um, yeah I really enjoyed it I would recommend it to anyone but obviously the difficulty is that um further education has been really really messed up but messed with I suppose I should say um but I would uh, when you say you aren't good at maths I it's you can be (laughs) like everyone can be it's a thing to learn and and to practice like anything else
3: if you I think that's really interesting because if you read I read loads of these books now uh you know Carlo Rovelli's books obviously Brian's books but loads of them I've even tried to read some of Stephen Hawking's books and what I find is that a bit like you're saying you think, I uh, I don't understand this, I don't understand this. And then the door opens very briefly of understanding. And then you feel like, I've got it. But for me, it tends to slip away again.
0: I think it does for most people. I think, But I think that's part of the – you have to accept that as being joyous, those little, those moments. little moments where – I mean, it's taken me a year. And still, I mean, I've got so much – the next show that I'm doing with Brian, like sometime next year, you know, I'm doing so much reading for that. And every now and again, you get that bit where you go you, a real genuine excitement. And it is like a peak experience, peak consciousness, where you mm-hmm. get that glimmer of understanding. Yeah. And then sometimes after a while, that understanding stays with you and you are able to understand it in your head. But you haven't yet reached the stage where you're able to convey that information. You know, there's about there's so many different stages. Then sometimes you go, oh, I'm able to convey this to other people now. You know, at each like like when I said at the beginning, that bit of Ed Miliband talking to him about Black holes it was the first time that I'd kind of gone, oh no, I I do now have a better level of understanding than I had six months ago and a much better level of understanding than the six months before that. Like you said, I'll never truly understand or really, you know, the mathematics, you know, with so many different ideas of quantum electrodynamics and all of those things. Oh yeah,
1: sorry. I do appreciate that there is some extremely complicated mathematics that is beyond all of us. I do understand that, but I do feel that like maths get unfairly um, shut off for people when actually it's a brilliant thing that everyone can... Get more involved with.
3: I think you're right. It's like learning a language, which isn't totally something else. Or thinking
1: like
3: <laughs> But I think you're right. I think if you probably did it properly, you you could do it. Um, it's yeah, good teachers
1: as well. Like if you encounter good teachers, you suddenly you know the same with everything, isn't it? You you encounter good teachers, and you're like,
3: ah, yes. I think um, I think that part of the problem. Are we not going down a rabbit hole though now? Particularly, like I can see Robin, and I'm thinking that I would, I, me and Robin would quite like to talk about quantum entanglement now. For about an hour and a half what's great is we're
1: running out of time so you guys great can do news. that <laughs> oh no
0: i've checked and we're not <laughs> carlo ravelli's order of time i'm not sure <laughs> we are running out of time that by the way is a really great book by the way, and, and it's such a, i highly recommend if you're thinking of this, carlo ravelli uh he, he's written uh, like his book which is when you find out there's only one equation in physics which even requires time to be mentioned that to me is an incredible thing that all of the other quite equa- everything else we understand about the universe time is not even taken into account so anyway we've got this hour and a half now and um but you're right we have pretty much run out of time uh josie there was um uh, we should mention david's tour of trolls uh, you'll be able to see in uh 2043 uh, <laughs> when it's rolled over again and again and again and again keep
3: rolling over in some yeah. parallel universe that carlo can describe for you uh but i believe details are on my website and i am still doing stuff i'm writing a kid's book and i'm writing a book about anti-semitism and I'm still supposed to be writing a book about, uh, not a book, I'm supposed to be writing a comedy drama uh, about masculinity, but no one knows when either television proper or masculinity are going to start again. Right. So
1: who knows? <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of masculinity, I urge everyone to watch Five Guys a, Five week. Guys a week on Channel 4. It is. All it's about is about the fact that these groups of men can't handle the fact that the woman has higher status in it. It's astonishing.
3: You That's have to
1: channel four five guys know. a week it okay. is an absolute experiment
0: <laughs> okay I'll is it a documentary it it's a documentary
1: no! it's a silly dating show <laughs> oh
0: okay oh, it's a dating show
1: yeah it's it's a dating show where one woman lets five men stay in her house for a week and eliminates one a day and the men in it find it very difficult to handle i'm not saying that i wouldn't also find that difficult to handle i would but it is fascinating in terms of masculinity and how that works i think
3: have they thought about doing a musical version where all the guys are called mo yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I want if they can combine that with 24 hours an a and e if it's a dating date <laughs> in the waiter because i love that show so much but you know that um thank you so much david and your children's books are great my, my son like absolute, absolutely absolutely love them, loved them. them. They're They're so good, good. and, so uh, good. and, and uh, uh, Josie, what you're
1: and um, um, I'm, I'm going, going to, to, for the next, for the next couple, couple of hours, hours play some chess on chess.com and do and some yoga. yoga. <laughs> and then and like later on, on tonight, tonight, tonight doing a gig as part of Excess Malarkey, which is being streamed live online. So oh,
0: that's great. There's
1: really good people as well on the bill, so
0: yeah and I did join that last him. week it is a lot of fun and it's a great club up in Manchester and it's really oh, worth yeah, the supporting best. them as well it's one, one of the best places brilliant we're going to go over to uh, Phil J's now so, so keep up Hi, to date with David if not, can we just quick check, check actually, David. are you still able to is is your um, uh, documentary dinner, still, dinner, still, uh, still online. online I think it went off I, I think it went, went extended. off i extended
3: it it was on for a it was on for a month it on i extended it but now it is not anymore so yeah sorry that's it confronting Holocaust denial, in uh, uh, the reaction uh, to it was brilliant. brilliant. I, I think, that's, brilliant. Why they, like I think that's
0: why they're taking off now. Oh, well, I'd really, if it, next time it's up, everyone watch that documentary, yeah. it's great. And, it was great. You know, thank and, uh, you. Yeah, really, really good. Um, thank you very much, Toby Badil. Uh, and now, you Robin, we... thank you, Josie Long.
1: Thanks for coming.
0: And now Philip Jays, down in his uh, lovely, it's in his studio space there, which look, look like you, you're a toaster. I like it. <laughs> um, Phil, do you want to tell us a bit about, as we mentioned already, Phil is, uh, I've talked with Phil many times, uh, brilliant singer, songwriter. And uh, do you want to tell us anything about the first song? The first song? Oh, you just doing one? <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Um, I wanted to talk to you
4: about um, Dave Thompson. Oh, yeah. Because I know Dave Thompson. Uh, He he lives in America. Now, the the rock critic. Was was that a letter from Dave
0: Thompson? It was a letter from Dave Thompson uh, about his Moon Age Daydream, Daydream, Moon Age Daydream, David Bowie uh, Bowie, uh, book. I'm not sure who the Lawrence was, whether it might have been Lawrence from Felt, the the band Felt, or not. Uh, But, yeah, tell me. Brilliant. Well, I
4: I can send a link to this, can't I? I'll send him a link and get him to watch it and see uh, if he can shed any light on it.
0: Yeah, it's very. It's, it's a lovely thing <coughs> to see an author saying, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. This, this was my battle. <coughs> anyway, so which uh, so you're t- singing all your songs in a well at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, Have you been yeah. finding it easy living in a well during this period of isolation? Well, you
4: see, it, it, life hasn't changed very much for me because, yeah, it's what I do every day anyway. I just come <laughs> and sit in here. And, um, I don't go out. So, yeah, I'm, <coughs> I appreciate I'm very, very lucky. I'm a very, very fortunate position because my life just hasn't really changed well apart from the fact which uh that i um not seen my girlfriend which is a bit annoying but other than that oh that's hard it is but, um, well, it's
0: it's an odd thing because I, I I don't know, but living in the same town, living in the same town, we've had this, of course, doing the show, which is sometimes four people have been on, all of whom live within a mile of each other, and this is the, um, there's no way that you can connect apart from you would know, occasionally wave across a park wearing your mask or whatever.
4: Yeah, that's what we do. Wave through glass every now and then.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> it's very romantic. <laughs> it's all right. He, it he met her when she was in prison, so nothing. So it's <laughs> yeah. all fine. Old times. <laughs> okay, so this- well,
4: the, the, the song I'm going to do is actually, uh, um, I, I, as I said, I was going to try and pick something. I'm doing a new album at the moment, so this is a, a song off the new album, which is about childhood and summer.
1: Oh, lovely.
4: Yes, well, hopefully. <laughs> it's called uh, Nadine One Summer. <laughs> Under the trees, down by the water, cool in the grass, in the height of the summer, the hint of a breeze trembled the pages of our magazines as we sat picking daisies, Nadine. And everywhere Blossoms and bicycles Danced in the sunlight Of my French exchange summer Deep in the heart of July When you tried to teach me The French For I love you But I just learnt the French for goodbye, Nadine. Remember, Nadine, when I was twelve and you were thirteen, your father played jazz at work in the basement. Your mother baked bread Whilst out on the pavement Your sister hung round With boys on their mopeds And I held your hand At table in secret Nadine And everywhere Blossoms and bicycles danced In the sunlight of my French exchange summer Deep in the heart of July When you tried to teach me the French For I love you But I just learnt the French for goodbye, Nadine. Remember, Nadine, when I was twelve and you were thirteen. Remember, Nadine, oh, Nadine.
0: Thank you very much philip, wow. jays. philip wow. jays and thank you um, what a
1: privilege him- what a privilege to get to hear your voice
0: jays.com is the place to go by the way for uh all of phil's work there's a, an enormous back catalogue of albums and uh, all of them are worth worth your time and there's it's there's a is there one you just to, before you go Phil. is, is the one in particular where you think that's a good place to start because I, I definitely do think in terms of recording and stuff like that and ability to get production you know there, there, there's a, a real they get better and better with with uh, with each um return to the studio. I think that the, the, the album, actually, the album that people
4: seem to like the best is, is actually the second album, Cupid is a Drunkard, which we actually did record as live in a studio. We did 12 songs in a day. Unheard of. <laughs> We just went in, did it, got to the end of the song, and said, you happy with that? And people went, well, it was okay. We thought, as long as it was okay, we move on to the next one. We don't have time to mess about. So we, just, we did 12 songs from, from midday until midnight, pretty much solid, Um, but I think the songs on that album are probably the most representative of what I do. Um, But yeah, then some people prefer the ballads and some people prefer the funny songs and some people prefer the angry songs or or the misery.
0: The nice thing is, a lot of the funny songs are also angry and miserable as yeah. well. You don't read <laughs> yeah, until the third verse, and yeah. then the roll doll twist occurs. <laughs> twist occurs. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. As I said, jays.com, G Jay. uh, A Y S dot com, is French. He's French. Sorry, J E A Y. I don't know. I do a G J thing. I don't know what that, what form of uh, of, do says in French. It's the other way around. Yeah. Uh, would well, that be? Yeah, I've, I'm very. I'm, I'm bilingual, but only by, with one letter. It's it's not a <laughs> <quite> great <laughs> way of communicating. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks, Joseph. Thank thanks, you, Bill. Robin. Thanks, they, Have they, a lovely people. day. And Joanna Neary Tomorrow, we're back with, uh, amongst others, Deborah Francis White, guilty feminist oh, Deborah White. will be with us tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. and catch up with our science Q and A's. Josie's quarantine comedy club. And please play something in the TikTok. And <laughs> bye bye. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes, find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes, and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network, patreon.com slash bookshambles.